today? Awesome. Hey, do me a favor. While you're clapping, give those that are watching us right now a round of applause and just welcome them into our worship experience on this very special Sunday and Palm Sunday being that we're um, just excited for what this season means to our lives as followers of Christ. And we, we're just really pumped and excited about next Sunday, of course, being Resurrection Sunday. And uh, what a great time of celebration we're going to have. And it is our prayer that not only you'll be here, but you will be bringing somebody with you. And uh, you'll have the opportunity to celebrate that moment with them and celebrate the lives of those people that we will be inviting. Because I believe God wants to do something great and impactful and transformational in the lives of people. You guys believe that? That? I believe it. I really, really do. And so I'm excited about what ha God has in store for us. And I really just want to kind of dive into today's message. And, uh, you know, we've been in a series over the last really five weeks, I guess. Today is the, would be considered the fifth week. And um, we've really been focusing on our purpose in life. Talk, we talked about understanding the importance of discovering our why. And the reason why that's so important is because when we understand and we know our why, that gives us clarity on what we're supposed to do with our lives when it comes to making an even greater impact on a spiritual and eternal level, a level in the, uh, in, in, the, in the lives of other people. And so with that said, today, God has just really put something very specific on my heart on this Palm Sunday as we get ready to go into what we often is referred to as Passion Week. It's, this, it's the days leading up to uh, the cross of Christ, but ultimately the resurrection of Christ. And, and today, you know, I can't help but think about why God sent his son into the world his one and only son. I can't help but think about the reason why God gave all that he had to come into the world to rescue people like you and me. And the reason why is because people matter to God. You agree with that? People matter to God and therefore, obviously they matter to us. And I'll never forget when Michelle and I, uh, you know, one of the perks living here in Orlando, uh, we had the opportunity when the kids were younger to go pretty frequently over to the theme parks. And I'll never forget on one particular day, we went to Magic Kingdom. And so our, our, uh, our, our daughters, Rebecca and Ashlyn, they were, of course, a lot younger. And our son, Luke, he was just really young at the time. And um, so, you know, Magic Kingdom, you know, it's, of course, you know, it's the kind of the crown jewel of all the Disney parks, you know, I'm be safe to say. And uh, it seemed like we picked, of course, the one day when everybody and their cousin happened to be there, but that's pretty much every day. But it was just the incredibly crowded on this particular day. And of course, we were there on Main Street and, uh, you know, we were just taking in, taking in all the, the amusements and, and um, you know, just walking down Main Street and, you know, taking in the ice cream parlors and all the things that, you know, Disney has to offer. And so we just got walked out of an ice cream parlor and we were trying to figure out where we were going next in terms of rides that we were going to ride. And so after we kind of gathered our belongings and gathered everybody up, we walked out of the I walked out of the ice cream parlor out into Main Street, and as we kind of got oriented, uh, we started walking, and all of a sudden, Michelle, she said, where's Luke? And as I, you know, kind of was somewhat startled by her question, I, of course, I looked because he was just at my side, and he's gone. So Rebecca was there, Ashlyn was there. I said, have y'all seen Luke? Where's Luke? And of course they looked at us, you know, like a deer in the headlights. And so all of a sudden it was that moment, you know, as a parent, it's like your heart is in your throat. It's that oh no moment. All of a sudden, all of those thoughts go racing through your head about your lost child. My child has been, you know, kidnapped, taken away, you know. And so in this moment, we are freaking out. 
And so we're frantically trying to figure out where he is in the midst of a sea of humanity. And, of course, at the time, he's probably about four or five years of age. So we start backtracking. We go back into the ice cream parlor. Luke's nowhere to be found. We're looking just in the sea of, of, of people. Couldn't find him anywhere. And so after a few moments... We were just convinced, you know, somebody had grabbed him. We found a cast member, went to the cast member, said, hey, where do you go if, you know, you have a lost and found, but like for people. And they said, yes, we have a human lost and found. And so they told us where to go. And, of course, we go where the human lost and found was. And as we walk in, there was a sweet lady holding the hand of our son, Luke. And Luke was just like, everything's cool. And we're like freaking out, you know. We were just so relieved, A, that he had been found, but B, that he was safe and he was okay. And so we embraced and just had that moment of just kind of like being rescued and being reconnected. And then, you know, afterwards, you know, I mean, I, made, I, I had him like chain locked to my leg. You know, we were, we of course enjoyed the rest of our day. But, you know, when I thought about that, I couldn't help but think about the way God sent his one and only son into the world to seek and to save those of us who were lost. And there's an incredible story in Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus, of course, he's talking to a group of people. And in this group of people, there is a collection of different types of people that were represented. Some being, you know, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious elite. You had others um, who were just common lay people, but Jesus had a reputation among the religious leaders as hanging out with the not-so-spiritual people. In other words, he had a reputation of being a friend of sinners. I don't know about you, aren't you thankful that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to become friends with us? those who are spiritually lost, those who, who hadn't figured it all out. I'm just thankful that in spite of our mess-ups, our failures, our inadequacies, our imperfections, I, still, I am still grateful for the fact that Jesus is willing to hang out with those of us who are imperfect, that he loves us the way we are. He doesn't accept our sin, but he loves us as sinners. And so I'm thankful for the fact that when you think about Jesus, Jesus is talking to this group of people and he tried to help them understand not just who he was, but why he ultimately came. And so we pick up the story in Luke chapter 15 and Jesus goes on to kind of help break it down for his, for his audience. And what he did is he basically told three back-to-back stories or illustrations. He told the story about a lost sheep. And then he told the story about a lost coin. And then he told a story about a lost son. And all three of these specific illustrations that he gave was underscoring, once again, why Jesus had come into the world. We pick up the story in verse 1 in Luke chapter 15. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. I love that. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. In verse four, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will 
joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. Well, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So here's what I want to do for a few moments. I want you to specifically think about three things. Number one, I want you to think about the the condition of the lost. Because when you read this story, it says that the shepherd, he had a hundred sheep, and unfortunately one of them was lost. And why is that important to you and me? The reason why that one lost sheep is important for you and me to understand today is simply because you and I represent the one lost sheep. And you can't ever forget that. And what's interesting about this situation is that in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says it this way, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So we are like sheep. We have a tendency to stray away. We have a tendency to wander spiritually and relationally and morally in our lives from God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's interesting that, you know, God refers to you and me in the Bible as sheep. It's not very flattering. You know, if somebody came up to you and said, wow, you look like a sheep today. You know, that wouldn't necessarily be received as a compliment. It would probably look more like a state of confusion, like, what you just call me? But you think about it, I mean, a sheep is not necessarily associated as a compliment in terms of associating humans with sheep, and yet that's what the Bible refers to us. We, as humans, are like sheep. Now, what's crazy about that is that there are some characteristics about a a sheep that I think is important for understand for us to understand, number one, sheep are dumb. I mean, just put it out there, sheep are dumb animals. I mean, you can train a lion, you can train, you know, a, a dog, you can train, we can't train cats. Cats, they have their own, you know, you can train an elephant, you, know, you can train a lot of different animals, you can train a bird, a parakeet, parrot, you know, you can train certain animals but you'll never go to a circus and see a group of sheep that are all just in a single file line, you know, following their trainer. No, 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 no. Sheep are just dumb. They don't know any better. And what's interesting when you think about sheep, what's interesting is that, you know, people today, even though the Bible likens us to a sheep, which isn't necessarily a smart animal, on the human level, Humans can be extremely smart. I mean, you think about it for just a moment. When you think about the intellect and you think about what we as a humans have been able to achieve and accomplish in this world, when you think about the great intellectual minds that it requires to achieve high levels of, of success when it comes to business, 
when it comes to finance, when it comes to politics or sports or foreign policy, technology, when you think about the human accomplishments, when you think about what it takes academically and professionally to achieve high levels of success through the skill sets and the understanding and the brilliant minds and all that that entails, and yet those same people, when it comes to the spiritual realm and when it comes to the moral realm, we have a tendency to be totally illiterate when it comes to the spiritual and the moral things of life. And yet that's exactly what Jesus is trying to underscore is the fact that as humans, we're spiritually lost. We're, we're, we're wandering off. And so therefore, because we're wandering aimlessly and hopelessly, it also leads us to the second characteristic of, characteristic of a sheep, and that is the fact that they're directionless. So not only are they dumb, they're directionless. In other words, they don't have the ability or the capacity, once they're lost, once they stray away, to find their way back home. You know, when you think about a sheep, what does a sheep do? A sheep eats grass. I mean, that's it. And so they're out there on the, you know, on the pasture. You know, they're just grazing. They're eating grass. And so what does a sheep do? A sheep will eat a little grass. They'll nibble a little bit. And then they'll work their way over some more. Find another little spot. Nibble some more. Work their way over to another spot. Nibble some more. And then before you know it, they've wandered off. Now, they don't do it intentionally, but unintentionally, what do they do? They drift. They go astray. They wander away from where they're supposed to be. And we do the same thing. You know, my wife, Michelle, and I, we are um, releasing a book this fall that we're really excited about. And it's called The Family Shift. But the whole purpose is to help families avoid the drift, to help couples avoid the drift in their marriage. And the reason why we're putting the focus on the drift and the reason why it's important to stop the drift is because too many families are drifting away from one another. Too many marriages are drifting away. And the very things that we think will bring us together often are the very things that cause us to, to grow further apart. And so what happens in a lot of people's lives is that, you know, you find them maybe in a place where they're supposed to be at a certain time or certain season in their life, maybe spiritually or morally. But over the course of time, what happens? Life happens. Busyness, distractions, all the setbacks and obstacles and things that come against us. And what happens before we realize it, we've drifted. We've moved away of what could be and should be. No longer are we living for God or living inside the will of God and the purpose of God and the plans of God. What's happened? We got distracted. We're nibbling over here and nibbling over there. And before we know it, we have wandered off into the wilderness. We are lost. And because we're lost, like a sheep, they don't have a GPS. They can't figure out how to get back home on their own. They're directionless. And so in the same way, what we got to understand is that when it comes to the issues of life, so often people will find themselves wandering away from what could be and should be in their lives when it comes to God's perfect plan for them. I love what the scripture, or excuse me, what, what C.S. Lewis once said. He said, to walk out of God's will is to step into nowhere. And that's exactly what happens for a lot of us. We're stepping into the unknown. We're stepping into nowhere. Why? Because we're living our lives hopelessly and aimlessly like sheep without a shepherd. So a sheep will never come home on its own. When, we, when I was a kid, my, my parents, we used to have this uh, little poodle. His name was Jojo. 
And Jojo was notorious for chasing after us. When we left, we had this long driveway, and then we had this long road that led to the very front entrance of our neighborhood. It is probably close to a mile from our house to the front of the neighborhood. It was a long, long way. And little Jojo, when we all packed up in the car and we would take off, little Jojo, he would take off running after us. And you would thought after a couple of hundred yards, the little guy would just kind of give out, you know? But man, his little ears were flying back and his little tongue was hanging out. and He was just, you know, trying to keep up. And then eventually he would finally wear down to the point to where he would stop. And you could tell he'd kind of like given up. And then we would pull out and then Jojo would kind of turn around and he'd walk back home. And we knew with confidence that when we got home, Jojo would always be there. And the reason why is because Jojo had this unique ability, that intuition. He knew how to find his way back home. But lost people spiritually, they don't know how to find their way home. And that's the reason why a lost sheep needs a shepherd. Which leads me to another point, and that is this. In in the story that Jesus is telling, there's something I think it's important for us to understand as it relates not just to the condition of the sheep, but, but to the compassion of the shepherd. In fact, I love the fact that when Jesus, in fact, here we are on Palm Sunday, and you know, the significance of Palm Sunday is the fact that, that Jesus came into the world to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus is coming into the city that he had come to save. And so in this moment, people thought that he was the coming Messiah and the conquering king. They thought he was going to set things in order politically and, and from a government standpoint of view and, and for power and position and all of these things. But yet what they didn't understand and what they didn't know is that Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb to seek and to save and to lay down his life for the lost. And so what we see is a compassionate shepherd. In verse 4, it says, if a, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So I want you to picture this for a moment. Here is the shepherd, and he's got a hundred sheep. So here he is out on the pasture with his sheep they're out grazing and then at the end of the day what does the shepherd do he gathers his sheep together and he puts them back where they belong where in the sheep pen the little sheepfold is gathered together and just like a shepherd typically do would do because of the responsibility and the care and the oversight that the shepherd would give to his sheep, he would begin to do the count. And so he has 100 sheep. So just to make sure everybody's counted for, he's going through the count. He's counting his sheep. He gets to the 90s, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, and then all of a sudden he realizes, whoa, 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 if he starts counting, 96, 97, 98, 99, there's one missing. And then that, in that moment of reality, that there is a sheep that's not there. there there's a sheep that's somehow missing. There, it's not where it's supposed to be. In that moment of reality that that one lost sheep is somewhere stranded, astray, lost. And so what does the shepherd do? He doesn't say, well, one out of a hundred's not bad. I mean, in the real business world, you know, 1% loss, you can kind of live with that, right? 
But, but in this situation, that didn't matter. That one lost sheep mattered everything to that shepherd. And what you got to realize is this. That's why Jesus came. Jesus said in Luke 19, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and me. That simply means that when you think about a sheep, a sheep doesn't understand. It doesn't understand the fact that they're lost. That's the reason why people who are spiritually and often morally not where they could be or should be when a person is spiritually lost. They're lost, but sadly and unfortunately, they don't even realize they're lost. And so therefore, because they're lost and they don't know it and they don't understand that fact or that reality, they're directionless. Therefore, they don't understand how to get back where they could be or should be because they don't even know that that's even an option. And therefore, they're defenseless, and so they're out there on their own. They're subject and vulnerable to the attack and so that's exactly the way we find ourselves. We find ourselves away from God's good and pleasing perfect will. We find ourselves in the middle of nowhere spiritually, often morally. The wheels have come off, and we're trying to figure out life on our own. But here's the issue you need to understand. The issue is not the value or the worth of the sheep. The shepherd didn't leave the 99 to go after the one because of the value of the sheep. No, he left the 99 because of the love and the compassion and the concern and the sense of urgency and the moral obligation the shepherd had for that one lost sheep. And that's exactly what God did for you and me. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, not because of what you were worth or because of what I was worth. It was simply because of the reflection of the father's heart and his love and his compassion, his desire to have a relationship with you and with me. And there's nothing more that matters to God than to see those of us, his sheep who are lost, to be found and to be rescued and to be restored and to be received back into the sheepfold, back into his family where we spiritually belong. I'm preaching a, a whole lot better than y'all are saying amen to that. Let me ask you a question. Does it really matter to you that you have classmates and you have coworkers that are spiritually lost? I mean, think about it. Do you really even think in those terms? Does it even resonate? Does it even cross your mind that the person that maybe your cubicle's next to is spiritually lost? Have you ever connected the dots that the friends that you sit in class with are spiritually and morally lost? Maybe you have a husband or a wife or maybe a son or a daughter or a grandson or a grand, granddaughter that, that is spiritually lost. And the question is, does it even bother you? Does it keep you up at night? Is there a compassion? Is there, is there a sense of urgency? Is there a concern? Do we think about the spiritual condition of the people that we love the most and we care about the most? And it's something that, that's important for us to think about as followers of Jesus Christ because, listen, as believers in Jesus Christ and as those of us who have been found. Look at me and listen to me. Found people find people. 
We want those that are still lost to find and to understand and to receive what it is that has radically transformed and changed our lives. And we're not here just to fill up seats. No, we're here as a church to build up and to fill up heaven. And the more people we get inside here, the more people we're going to take there. And so the prayer that I have today on this Palm Sunday is we have six days leading up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ is who is going to be our one because our one needs to be our why this week. And so the question is, is what are we going to do? Who are we going to call? Who are we going to text? Who are we going to visit? Who are we going to reach out to? We all know somebody. And so I'm going to ask our band and our vocalists to come, if they would, to the stage today. And, you know, Luke 10, excuse me, I'm sorry, in John 10, verse 11, it says it this way, I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and the good shepherd does what? Sacrifices his life for who? For the sheep. And so, throughout this month, as we've been talking about discovering our why, when you came in today, you should to have there in your seat a little card that says my one is my why and there are two places here and I love the illustration there of John 1 verse 42 or Andrew one of the first disciples of Jesus after he encountered Christ after he being lost had been found and discovered through Christ the very first thing he did he wanted to go tell his brother Peter and the Bible says and he brought him to Jesus I love that and he brought his brother he brought Peter to Christ. He wanted to introduce Christ to the man that had changed his life. And this coming Sunday, we have the opportunity to invite a coworker, to invite our spouse, to invite our classmates, and to bring them to see, to hear, to experience, to encounter the one who's changed our life. So here's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to ask you to ask God to put on your heart the name of a person. Could be that coworker, could be a family member, could be somebody that you know at school, maybe a neighbor. But what I want you to do today is to simply jot down the first name. And what I want you to do is to tear off one portion, just one half of that. And I want you to keep one for yourself and pray for that person and keep it as a visual reminder this week for you to pray for them. But more importantly, to put feet to your prayers and actually reach out to them if at all possible and invite them. And then I'm going to invite you to join me and Michelle because over the next six, to, six days as we lead into Easter Sunday, we're going to be going live at noon on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. And we're going to be taking all of the names that have been collected since our last first Wednesday when we first started collecting names and we're going to just pray specifically for names. We're going to believe God to soften hearts and to, do, to create divine appointments and to orchestrate details that will allow us to be at the right place at the right time with those who need to be reached, with those who need to experience the hope that's, in, that's, in, that's found in Christ. You know, when you think about what Jesus did, and Jesus told the people, he said, hey, he said, just like a sheep that gets lost, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd leaves the 99, those that are okay, those that, have, that are safe, those that have already been saved. And what does the shepherd do? The shepherd leaves those behind. And what does he do? He goes and he seeks and he searches and he finds and he rescues 
the one lost sheep that's still out there. And after he finds him and he rescues him, what does he do? He restores him and then he receives him back home into the family. And I love, as I close this out, I love what the third point is that we learn from this story. And it's the celebration of salvation. Because in verse 6 and 7 it says, When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep rejoice with me because my husband's been saved. My wife has come to know the Lord. My son and my daughter has come back home spiritually. Rejoice with me. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So today... We're going to be like that shepherd. find it interesting is that the sheep that was lost, once he was found and rescued and restored, what does the the shepherd do? The shepherd brings him back home. But notice what that verse says. He calls together. Who is he calling together? It was the other owners of the sheep. It's very rare for one shepherd to own a hundred sheep. So it was considered a joint venture. They would go in with multiple people. And what they would do is they would consolidate their sheep. And so therefore, you had multiple owners over a flock of sheep. And typically, those owners would pay the one shepherd to tend to and to care for and to oversee the sheep. So the shepherd, he goes and he finds the lost sheep. He brings him back home. And it says he calls together the people to celebrate Because the one lost sheep that mattered to the owners, that mattered, had been found and had been rescued and had been restored and ultimately put back where he belonged. You know what my prayer is? My prayer is that this coming week, we're going to see husbands coming back home, wives coming back home, prodigal sons and daughters coming back home, classmates that we know coming back home, that are lost spiritually and will never find their way unless we go out and we find them. So my why this week is to go after my one. So here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to stand and we're going to sing the song that we sang a few moments ago called Hope Has a Name. His name is Jesus. And that's what our prayer is. Our prayer is that, listen, the people who we love the most and care about the most we'll find hope in Jesus this coming week on resurrection day where listen dead things will be brought back to life dead marriages will once again be resurrected listen those whose lives have been spiritually lost and morally lost will be brought back home that which was dead will be raised back to life 